Hi, I'm Devin Moore, your host for Humanity Rising's Race to Speak Up podcast and founder of Hashtag Race to Speak Up, an anti-bullying organization. The Race to Speak Up podcast is a place where we have open and engaging conversations about bullying prevention, how to be upstanders, and how we are making a positive change in our communities. So the question now is, how do you race to speak up? Hello and welcome to the Race to Speak Up podcast. I'm your host, Devin Moore. Joining me today is Linda Lee. Linda is the founder and executive director of Generations Against Bullying. Generations Against Bullying is an organization that provides proven and comprehensive anti-bullying solutions for schools. Linda is a motivational speaker on bullying prevention, business management, and communication. She is also a lifestyle coach and a certified private investigator. Linda has developed a number of programs dealing with bullying prevention, self-motivation, and self-empowerment courses. Welcome, Linda. It's great to have you. How are you? Well, I'm doing just great, Devin, and thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Now, tell us about Generations Against Bullying. Well, let me tell you. I have to really give you a little history because without this history, it's really hard to understand how we've come to where we are today. Generations Against Bullying is a very unique nonprofit. We started in 2012. And the reason we started was at my children's school, high school, we had two bomb threats, two years in a row, two consecutive years in a row. The first bomb threat, I actually knew the young girl. I knew her since fifth grade. I mean, this was a, a dynamic, you know, a leader, a fun young girl who loved to get involved, had lots of friends. Her parents were involved with her life. You know, something you just wouldn't think would be any reason for her to go through what she was going through. Well, she ended up dealing with relational bullying and her friends all of a sudden turned on her, calling her all the names bad names, you know, all the bad girl names. I don't know how, how this is on, on your show, but lots of very naughty names, very bad names. And I watched this young girl become, I started watching, this was a fun, loving, happy, always smiling. And I watched her become this angry, mean, um, almost vengeful young girl. And I thought, what is going on? And, uh, and I, So what happened was she decided to write a bomb threat on the wall in the bathroom of uh, the high school. Well, you know what happens? Obviously, we all take that serious because of what's been going on in our society. So, of course, you have SWAT. You have the, you know, the SWAT team coming from various counties, helicopters, news, all of this being publicized, everything, you know, all the school being out of school for a few days. I mean, this is, uh, this is really a very, very serious thing. And then what happened after this was, Shell, uh, and I can, it's all public, it's on public record. This is not private, so it can be looked up. So Shelby was actually given a misdemeanor because they realized the severe bullying that she had gone through. So, she had to obviously drop out of school. I'm gonna fast forward to the second one a year later and he was phenomenal. 
Um, the only thing he was guilty for was being socially awkward and, and a little overweight. That was his guilt. Now, what they did to him for three to four years in high school is almost unbelievable. You know, I, I just sometimes I get a little passionate, so I, I get a little off gear. What really, really bothers me and, and, and why I have a struggle even talking here now because I get a little emotional because it, it's, it's hard for me to see all this. When I bring some of this up because we lost him, we lost uh, Nick. Well, what they would do to him, uh, the, the final straw that broke the camel's back was uh, he, they put him online and I don't know if anybody knows where the Carrie movie is, but they put a pig nose on his pig nose on him and had all the blood dripping with him and nominated him prom king. And, and they continually put these horrible things online and they laughed and, and, and they had a field day with them for years. And do you know what was really even sad? There was not one upstander that stood up for him. And what even hurt me even more is that the teachers knew this was going on and I never like to put any blame. So please, I, you know, I love our teachers and, you know, administration, but sometimes they have to, they have to get involved um, and not turn an eye because th this, this is so serious and we'll get into what's happening in the world today. But that was really, I started to do research. Um, I started to research. I went through, I was going on my third computer, Devin. I am my third printer. I'm sorry, not computer, but I was going on my third printer. I had stacks up to my waist, stacks and stacks and stacks. This is now, mind you, 2010. Bullying information had increased 300% online, 300%. I, I was like, what's going on here? But guess what? Suicide is ramping. I mean, it's out of control. Kids are, are, are dying on a daily basis. No, nobody's addressing the situation. I had, I had written Washington. I, I'd written all these programs, all of them, never got a response. I couldn't find anything out there to help me understand what is going on in our schools. And guess what? All the private public, all the private schools had no bullying policy whatsoever and nothing is enforced. So there's no laws, there was, no, there was nothing, to, nothing to work with. I thought, oh my gosh, you know, we need, we need something here. See, the problem was ABC, you know, Anti-Bully Club would go on for a couple months and then it would fade away in the elementary level because, you know, kids would start to think, oh my gosh, this is a snitch club. Oh my gosh, they're gonna tell. Oh, I, we don't want nothing to do with them. But as, as time went on and I, I did my research and I thought, we got to start a program. We got to do something. And it blew up from there. We had, we went from within three years, we started out in the high school in our peer ambassador program. Within three years, we went from 100 to 300 students within three years. That's out of 900 students. Imagine when we would hold the, uh, the, have a booth for when the eighth graders would come in the high school, the middle school, we would have the most signatures, sometimes more than the cheerleaders. And we would have crowds around our booth. Imagine the kids are starving for, but 
starving for this, but I'm going to have to tell you the real special reason. Um, and maybe we'll get into that later, but I'll, I'll stop here. But that is really what really got me going was the two bomb threats, two consecutive years in a row. That's what motivated me to do something. Well, I'm glad that you were able to start Generations Against Bullying. I am also sorry to hear about those two children who unfortunately went through all that. And one thing that I wanted to bring up dealing with the private schools. So kind of just going back to my bullying situation, I just wanted to quickly bring this up. So I went through racist cyberbullying at the um, at my middle school. So it was a private middle school and they don't comply with DASA, which is, the, which is the Dignity for All Students Act. Are you familiar with that? Yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, I am. For, um, for viewers that um, are not too, too familiar with that, basically it's just saying that private schools don't really have to comply with like a lot of the bullying prevention, racism prevention, like all of that, or gender, religion, like basically all of that. They can kind of do, for lack of better terms, they can kind of do whatever they want when it comes to certain things. So that's kind of what happened at the... Um, excuse me, that's what happened at my private school. And, you know, those three boys, they they just went back to class. Hmm. But that's not what should be happening. You know, the students that you brought up, they shouldn't have had to go through that. Hmm. Schools need to be um, a safe environment. Schools need to have people, you know, like us coming into schools and talking about bullying prevention because it could lead to bomb threats. It could lead to those unfortunate images online. I mean, and I went through like cyberbullying, like my images were online. So I understand the horror and the fear that a child could be going through just seeing, um, you know, their face onto something so racist or their face onto something like the carry, which is like, what? You know, it's so, it's so terrifying. But I'm glad that you've been out. Oh, I'm glad that you've been able to really stand up and help others. Well, you know, there's, Devin, and I'm so sorry that you went through that. I've seen so much over the last 11 years. Um, it's, it's, it's so difficult because the problem is nobody wants to really address bullying. You know, you get a rah-rah here and a rah-rah there. It's not a, you can't just bring somebody in and pay $5,000 for a speaker to come into a school or whatever it means and give a big rah-rah. That doesn't work. It doesn't work for adults. It doesn't work for our children. Um, you know, they might be motivated for a few days and that's the end of it. That's a little bonus. You know, I'd have a, a football player or I, I have Leah, which is wonderful when she comes in, but really what's most important. And I'm going to tell you what really changed generations against bullying after three years, we were lucky enough to have a wonderful, um, colleague of mine, Bill Eisner, take us under his wing. And he helped us develop a phenomenal 10 minute video, which you can find on our website, gabnow.org, um, about the pain and suffering and then the hope that it provides. But see, as soon as you mention bullying in schools, anywhere, you're, you're shunned. Um, and I cannot tell you how many parents have suffered right along with the children, deeply suffered, because you can do nothing for your child. And what ends up happening, is the, the victim always has to move and always has to find another school to go to and nothing happens to the to the bullies they just go on like nothing ever happened and they find the next victim but our one of the things that we that i found a key statistic and the statistic at that time was 
85% of the time, the bullying will stop within the first 10 seconds if the bystander intervenes in a non-threatening way. Well, there was a word that I found back then, and now it's everywhere. Um, it's the upstander. So what I did was I said, 85% of the time, the bullying will stop within the first 10 seconds. If the bystander becomes an upstander in a non-threatening way. So what we did was we put the focus on the upstanders, those that could help the, the victim, whether it be um, you know, becoming their friend or going into the situation saying, hey, Julie, John, you know, uh, Jabari, come over here. I got to talk to you real quick and, and removing them from away from the situation. Because even the kids don't want to be involved and they're afraid. At first, when we had Generations Against Bullying, you know, the parents all loved it, but the kids were a little reluctant because they thought, oh my gosh, that's the snitch club. Um, that's the club that's going to tell on us if we do anything. So when we turned it around and became the Upstander Peer Ambassador Club, we we grew, I mean, we couldn't almost keep up with the challenges of growing so fast and, and getting the, you know, and having all the kids get involved, which was phenomenal because let's face it, bullying does not happen in front of the administrators. It doesn't happen in front of the teachers. It doesn't happen in front of parents. Where does it happen? It happens in front of other students. And what is the first thing they do? Well, they take their phone, they record, they laugh, they just stand there because they don't know what to do out of fear because they, they're just happy it's not happening to them. So we have, to, we have to provide the tools and the resources and the training to, the, to our student body and our leaders who can help those in the school, that can help those that are in the hallways, that are in the bathroom, in the lunchroom, in the gym. Those are the kids that where all this bullying ends up, ends up happening. And, and you, we know that there's kids around that can help them. So we need to provide that kind of training. And you know what? The leadership that has come out of this program, I have, I have young women and men that are in college now that call me that put sexting classes on their, in their dorms for teaching. They become RAs. I have right now an intern that we worked with that now is working for the governor's office. I mean, the skills they learn, um, we have a huge curriculum that helps teach them these kind of skills to help them intervene in a non-threatening way. So the upstander really is enticing and, it's, and it makes the kids feel better than to say, okay, let's be in this anti-bully place, in this anti-bully club. They get, a, they get, you know, oh, I don't know about that. But not the upstander. Let's be upstanders. Let's face it. Who doesn't want to be a hero? I want to be a hero. I want to, you know, you, you look at the hero movies. <laughs> They're the best uh, money-making movies. Well, what what young child, whether I don't, whether it's elementary, primary, high school, it doesn't matter. We all want to be heroes. We all want to be able to feel special. And by teaching these kids these skills. They love it. And you know what you have gone through, Devin, what I've seen so many gone through, I lost a young boy just before COVID. And it was really, 
it was just really a painful, painful story because the uh, father moved from Chicago, um, you know, wanting to provide a better life for his son. And I'm, whatever, you know, the problems were having, he just wanted to move to Wisconsin. He had family here, thought it'd be a great thing for his young boy, just a, um, uh, just a really amazing young man. And it got to the, the bullying got so bad that he, uh, he hung himself and he was, he was good at sports. And, you know, I'm going to tell you another thing. I had a six-year-old. How does a six-year-old get that tormented to leave a note and, and to be able to know to go up there in their room and put a rope to their fan and mom and daddy call them. Mommy and daddy called the little girl for dinner and find her in her room hanging on the fan. These are the things that drive me to to make a change. I understand what you're saying, Linda. It's so hard because I, like, I remember just seeing on the news, there was this one point in time where I would just see on the news, like, um, it was just a bunch of different stories of such young children who they have plans to kill themselves. They went forth and, oh, they, they died by suicide. They died by suicide because of bullying. That is not right. It is terrifying for families, for for all who and for all who care about the youth, for all who want to see the youth grow and love each other and embrace each other, e embrace each other. That is not right. It's it's so sad. It's taken so many different lives, and then or so many lives, and like even with cyberbullying. Because we have this, we have this pandemic now, and I, um, so I designed an anti-cyberbullying curriculum called hashtag Behind the Screen, which educates students, teachers, and parents about what cyberbullying is, cyberbullying prevention, and it gives them the resources to further understand this important issue. And when learning, when putting together this um, curriculum with other humanity rising ambassadors, I had seen so many statistics on like cyberbullying has increased over 73% since the start of the pandemic. What? That's not right. We're online more because, you know, the, the pandemic, like we can't go in uh, huge places because for out of fear of spreading this unfortunate virus, but we shouldn't be going online and hurting other people because of that. In general, we shouldn't be going online and hurting anyone. How would you, you know, put yourself in other people's shoes? Think about it that way. A lot of people, a lot of the youth need to think about it that way. A lot of bullies need to think about it in that way. Put yourself in another person's shoes. Would you want to be hated on because of your skin color? Would you want it to, would you want to be hated on because of your height? Would you want to be hated on because of your religion? No one wants to be hated on. What I would think is to embrace each other's differences, is to love each other and support each other and let you know that you're there for each other. And I see you, I see you right now getting emotional. That's how I feel whenever I see another story about someone um, dying by suicide because they were bullied for something that is natural, for something that they are, for who they are. It's so important that we learn to embrace 
each other's differences. It's so important that, see, this is why, but this is why I also talk about like, we need people coming into schools and instilling something, instilling something within those schools. That's why I have the curriculum. That's why I know you have your curriculum is to really instill something, make it more permanent. When it comes to your upstander um, peer ambassadors, they're instilling something, which I think is amazing. In fact, I want you to also continue on with that too, because I want to hear more about it. But, you know, it's, it's something that we need in schools, both in like middle school, high school, and even in college. I mean, like, because when it comes to bullying, they're, you know, you could be young with it, but the effects are last long, are they long, oh, long lasting, excuse me, they're long lasting. That's why we need to continue. Oh, Devin, there, there's probably a uh, hundred thoughts that have gone through my brain <laughs> with what you just said. And I <laughs> don't know which one to touch on. I'm like, oh my gosh, wait, I got to go back to this one. I got to go back to this one. I got to go. But one of the things is, of course, I want to say is with the uh, parents, you know, some things are in with the home and especially when it comes to the computers. I mean, that's all the kids are, you know, parents need to be in charge of what they're, what they're doing with our children are doing on their computers. They need to know the per passwords. They need to know, they need to go check on these computers. They need to be involved. And another thing I wanna really emphasize, when you said lifelong scars, I'm gonna tell you, Devin, that's an understatement. Do you know, and, and it's on our website, I had a 72 year old woman who remembers her bully like yesterday and who to this day actually cries. And another thing that gets me upset is when people just don't have the understanding how truly this affects, you see how it affects adults. Look at what the division has done to our country in the world. Now you imagine a young child who doesn't have the mature brain who's being beat on verbally online day after day, can't go. See, the thing is you could, you know, many years ago, you could go home and shut the door and it would end. You didn't have the cell phones. You didn't have the computers. Now you have 24-7 online bullying. You, can, you go to the bathroom, it's there. You go to your bed, it's there. You go everywhere you go. You go to grandma's house there. You move, it's there. It, you know, there's no answer. To, you know, there's nowhere to hide. You know, unless you just cancel all, you know, which is unrealistic for today's society. So it's 24-7. It's ongoing, it's repeated, it never ends. And, and you know, some people have, well, what happened? You know, would, would, why couldn't you just, you know, back in the day, you know, we just meant that I punched out Charlie. Well, it doesn't work that way anymore. This is a different world, you know? And sometimes, well, you know, it, it isn't so bad. Kids need to toughen up. It's not about that. You know, it's not about, you know, somebody, okay. And even, you know, one time you, got, you, you shouldn't even, you don't have to call somebody racial slurs, not one time, never. But obviously the clear cut guidelines of bullying are repeated and ongoing. You see how adults deal with it? Well, look at how a child deals with it where they can't handle it. And, and many of them are too scared to talk to their parents. That's why it's so parents, it's so important for parents to be involved, whether it's the parents, the aunt, the grandma, the Uncle, you know, whoever's involved in caring for the child needs to be involved. And, and the child needs to have somebody they can go to to trust, whether it's elementary, middle, or high school. Even adults, look at what's happening to our uh, the world with our adults. 
who are struggling with this pandemic and all that, much less the kids. Now we have so much fighting on because the kids know what's going on in the homes when the parents are fighting with other parents over vaccines and masks and all this stuff. The kids at school are fighting along with online. I mean, it, it's, it's, I think the bullying is worse now than, than, than I ever, I, I just never imagined it would be this point, especially, you know, we're not meant to be socially distanced. We're not meant to wear masks. You know, these are all things that aren't meant for human beings to have to deal with on a daily basis, especially for our children. So now you, you have a lack of identity and the mental illness is really causing some severe issues and causing our children to seek outlets even more so drug um, drug addiction is off the charts. Alcohol is off the charts. Um, you know, when somebody is constantly told these cruel, mean things, and let me tell you, there are some very, very ugly things that come out of these mouths that you cannot believe that a six-year-old, a seven-year-old, much less a 15-year-old, the things that come out of these mouths, I can't even repeat to you on this show. It is so grotesque. I can't even repeat them. It's almost hard to even believe a child could even repeat something this disgusting. It's, it's, it's hard to even comprehend for myself being in it for almost 12 years. It's, it's hard to even comprehend. But we are not giving up this fight and we are stronger than ever. Children who have taken their lives due to bullying, that have left notes to their parents. And, and you look at this and you just think, this is what's happening to our children, the, the cruelty. Is this, this is our next generation that are so damaged and, and, and battered because this is what we find acceptable or, 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 or you know, that it's hard to even get funding to be able to get out there and help teach these and to get in these schools because you know sometimes they don't want an outside organization coming in and the schools themselves don't have the resources to or the teachers to be able to help these students with these issues they, they have a hard enough teaching math reading writing and arithmetic and all the other things much less now you have to find all these other areas to teach them social skills so you know these are tough times we're in tough times it's it's rampant. It's out of control. You're so right. You're so right. I just always like, I'm always thinking about different ways that we can really implement things into schools. Cause I'm like, you know, we need to make it easy. We need to make it, you know, interesting. We, I always think about it like that when it comes to trying to implement this behind the screen curriculum or any anti-bullying curriculum really into schools, because we need to make it so that you can easily put it into schools so that schools will actually use it and the students will actually, you know, get a real understanding about this issue. When it comes to the effects of bullying, I always think about how it's really like, well, like you're saying, it really just, it, it destroys you. And like, you know, it's that one, it's like, it's kind of like a cut that never goes away, the trauma. It's a cut that never goes away. And because that cut never goes away, it's like, it's the, it's teaching you how to be more defensive so that you don't get any more cuts like that. You know what I mean? I do because that, that's where you, where the emotional scars, let's, Devin, 
let's face it, these these kids just don't at 18 leave the high school doors after being tormented for years and being battered and battered over and over. It's like any like domestic violence. I mean, it's like any of these situations where they deal with this over and over again. Let's face it, they don't just leave the doors at 18 and this all goes away. This carries into marriages, it carries into the relationships, it carries into the work environment, it carries into the rest of their life. Many of them are dealing with counseling later on because of these dramatic, these dramatic experiences that they have not been able to, to deal with. And, and, and it's, it's shaped who they are becoming in the workplace or who they're becoming in, that, in those relationships. So yeah, we have to, we have to have something. It almost has to be like a daily part of the curriculum. Even if it, they're able to put it in at the homeroom, we're 40 minutes. I always wanted to say, why can't we do some announcement? We all know that what kindness can do. You know what you can do when you smile at a person and they all the time. I love to smile. I, I do. I when I when I get involved here, I'm a little bit passionate. I get a little bit emotional because I really am because I've I know what I went through in my life that it brought up a lot, but seeing the some beautiful people that I knew very well turn into, you know, have their lives literally essentially changed and one we lost and, and many along the way that I've lost that I, I got to know very well and their parents and the pain and suffering inside, you know, a parent should never lose their child. And when you think you're sending them to school that's supposed to be a safe environment. This is supposed to be school where they're supposed to be learning. They're supposed to be getting better. They're supposed to be productive. And of course there's gonna be, you're gonna have tiffs and tats. Nobody's saying that, you know, children will be children, but not to the degree that people don't understand what's happening with the bullying and how severe this is. This is a whole nother level. This is not your typical, you know, uh, oh, Susie, you know, Susie did this, you know, one time thing or Susie runs away from her and says, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not going to play with you one time Susie does it, you know, people think that this is a, you know, they call them, oh, you're just a sissy it's it's got nothing to do with that somehow we have to change that mentality also at the home front within the parents, and even some of the, the blind eye because one time in a newsletter Devin I posted a statistic. I took them, I take them from the uh, .gov site, CDC and so forth. Um, three out of four teachers turn a blind eye, you know, and I put the statistic, put, you know, where they can look it up, the whole, the whole thing. Well, I had very, a lot of teachers angry at me. Well, it was a statistic that we posted. I mean, we're trying to be honest and communicate. Don't be mad at me for posting something that's real and that's out there and that this is the study. You know, this is what they what they show. This is this is an actual study that they had done. And you know, so education is going to really be almost critical to our future in, in our in teaching. And I'm just going to share with you some of the, you know, some of the fun topics that we do have. Um, that are that are so important to uh, you know teaching all about the upstander. You know some of the things you have to that are so important is you know self esteem. You know you know how in school, if you remember, first of all, middle school is where it peaks. 
that is where it escalates because now you finish elementary, you're on the bottom of the totem pole in sixth grade, sixth through eighth is where the middle school and bullying peaks in that. that that's yeah. where there's been a huge amount of, you'll see statistics for sure, what they call it bully side now. They have their own term um, because they're trying to find their identity and their place and which group to be with and, and kids are cruel. Let's face it, they can be very, very cruel. Um, but self-esteem, you know, communications, I mean, real friendships, uh, toxic friendships. I mean, how do you identify that? How do you recognize that? Some of them don't realize, you know, oh, you're my friend. And when really they're, you know, what is a toxic friendship? You know, I mean, there's, we have like hundreds of categories that are so important that we've allowed the peer ambassadors to be part of. You know why the peer ambassador program was so successful? because we allowed them to lead it. I just became a facilitator to sit in back. And you know, when we started getting them involved, like going to see um, our FBI agency allowed our peer ambassadors to come there and do a tour of the FBI, um, which they loved it of the cyber of all that, you know, some of the things, but they actually got to take the initiative and put their own, their own uh, board up you know, upstander generation gets bullied, but they got to, they got to do, a, they, they worked on a petition because they wanted every school in addition to not to even have a, a drop box. What would it take to have a drop box, an anonymous and to have something, to have a reporting online? Well, a lot of places don't have reporting because like, oh, we're going to get too many, you know, ton, too many unrelated issues. We don't have staff to look at that. Well, they petitioned for it over, they got over, 2,400 signatures, but they get involved. They get involved in parades. When you give them the power, when you give the students the power to get involved, that's what fills them up because they feel like they have some say-so in it. And when one student can call another and say, hey, uh, Jabari, listen, I, I need to talk to you about something's happening with so-and-so. They, they unite, they feel good because they want to help. They, who wants to see this go on in their schools? Who wants to see this hatred? Does anybody really, let's face it, nobody's enjoying watching this kid get beat up in the, uh, you know, out on the playground and getting picked on and kicked on. You know, they, so yeah, we got to get this implemented every day in the school for our kids, every day and even have outside help for our parents and have training for the teachers so that the teachers can understand and recognize when they see somebody feeling, you know, you, 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 there are some signs that are out there. And, you know, I, I'm very careful with getting involved with the, the bully side because, you know, that's a, you get the suicide hotline and they're, you know, they're, they're, they're a little touchy about some of this because uh, bully side is real. And, and, and maybe bullying is, maybe there was some other underlining issues going on, Devin, but bullying just happened to be the, that was the final, the final issue in their life that they just couldn't take anymore. They just couldn't deal with. Um, and now you see what's going on. How do these kids have the hope that they need when they see nothing but fighting all around them. I've had a lot of kids that just are hopeless, that don't even feel that there's a future.
And then also just another thing that, um, cause we were also kind of just talking about like somewhat like misconceptions when it comes to bullying or like maybe even stigmas, I guess you could say, because when I see certain people online on TikTok or Snapchat or Instagram, I'm just naming random, random social media websites, but um, people are like saying, oh, um, bullying is nothing. Like just turn off your phone or people have actually said that to me. And then I've had to, I mean, me being myself, I of course quickly hopped on that and I'm like, teasing and bullying are different or students may see this stuff online and they may take it to heart, which, you know, it's a real thing. Like you can take that to heart and you can feel that what the bully is saying is right. And you need to change yourself. You need to make yourself better. I'm putting air quotes when I say better because we need to understand. I mean, if you're, these misconceptions are just too much is what I'm saying. Because when you have someone saying, um, bullying is just like a one-time thing. Um, oh, she was just making jokes, you know, that, that doesn't hurt the person. Meanwhile, the person's at home crying every night because you said that they look disgusting because of their skin color or whatever, whatever. They said something rude about them and they continuously say, are saying that. You know, like, I just kind of want to bring up this topic of the difference between teasing and bullying. Bullying is like you said, it's repetitive. It keeps happening for a long period of time traumatizing what we keep saying traumatizing long-lasting effects whereas teasing is just a one-time thing it it's not meant to hurt you it's meant to actually make jokes it's a one-time thing it doesn't hurt you it's not traumatizing you know like there's so many different misconceptions when it comes to bullying cyberbullying and someone I see you're about to say something <laughs> I can add right to it this is really great to add to it Guess what our, our peer ambassadors developed? And the poster, it's not these posters, it's, it's an, another posters that are on our website. Just kidding. Well, guess what? Mm. I have had, they created this. Just kidding isn't just when you When you have your friends, you're among your friends, and okay, when, when your friends say, oh my gosh, you have got such a fat face, and it's uh, all the time, you know, I don't appreciate, come on, just kidding. Knock it off, so what? It hurts. But you know, these group of fans continue to say these, continue to knock each other down over and over and again, but I'm just kidding. No, it's not just kidding, stop. You know, it's kind of like, if you got not, if you don't have anything nice to say, then don't say anything at all, okay? Let's just leave it at that. Um, instead of constantly knocking me down and telling me how fat my nose is or, uh, you know, that that my, my you know, I, I, I deal with that a lot. And so they developed a poster, their own poster. Just kidding. It's not just kidding. It hurts. And, and it's among friends. And so they've, you know, I've let, they've developed things that they know that they deal with. And that's what that's what Generations Against Bullying has been all about. It's all about putting the power back into the hands of the students, of the children who are the ones going through this and, and helping the bully, helping the victim and helping, you know, I go into an audience and to a whole school and say, hey, you know, we've done this before. We love the bully. Huh? What? <laughs> we love the bully. They're all looking, I said, you know what? We do love the bully. What is happening to the bully 
that we're forgetting about that why this person feels that this need to torment and torture what do we what's going on in there is there maybe they're maybe they have dealing with drugs in the home maybe they're dealing with alcoholic parents maybe they're who you know there could be a number of things that we don't know what that bully's dealing with so i don't just i don't want to just leave the bully out there and not work with the bully and we've had times where we've had michael turner that you know you know many many uh where we brought in speakers in to start out and having a school assembly and afterwards, you know, cause we've asked and we've had some honest kids raise their hand about being a bully. Um, and that have come to talk to, as a matter of fact, Michael one time the bully and the victim came, but it was of a different situation. And sometimes the bully doesn't actually know there are, there are some many situations where actually the bully doesn't even know they're bullying really that don't even realize like, wow, I never realized, um, Oh, I got to share this situation with you. I had a, uh, a board member that, uh, when we were talking about the upstander and how it is important for you, when you have a friend, how, it, how important it is to you to help them or, help upstand when something's going on and you know she started to cry and she had to leave the room she had to go call her friend from you know 15 18 years ago and 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 apologize how bad she felt that she did not help her during the times that she was dealing with bullying for the three years in school and she was crying because she felt so bad that she didn't help her didn't do enough so it even affects the friend who was there witnessing this and didn't even do anything that, you know, didn't know how or didn't know what to do. So going, going back to that with, with you saying, just kidding. Yes, there is a big, there is a, you know, teasing they might see among friends. That's the just kidding part. But yes, bullying is the definition of it is repeated and ongoing and in general you know, it's, it's about the power. The bully feels the power to be able to continually to, to torment the victim. And you know, this, the online, they hide behind the computer. I mean, they are so smart to create these fake IDs. And I'm telling you, kids are getting smarter and smarter when it comes to putting up fake, fake profiles and getting in and putting images up and changing. You know, I had a, a young girl where they, uh, she was at a party. This is in California on a Friday, uh, Friday on, for, on a Friday night. Uh, they lifted up her. Obviously, she was laying there. She passed out due to alcohol. They lifted up her shirt. Now, this is hazing. Took a picture. Monday, it got started out in school. That Saturday, her mom had no idea. That young girl, it went through school. Monday through Friday, Saturday, she killed herself. Now think about in that five days, now her parents didn't even have a chance, didn't, weren't even given, nobody told, nobody told the parents what was going on. No friends of hers, nobody. Think if there was an upstander in, in so many of these situations that could have prevented this young girl to say, listen, this isn't the end of life. We're gonna get through this and helped, 
you know, help be that person to help upstand so that she didn't feel this alone and desperate to have to take her life. Those are the, so I know I, I, I go on a little bit and go on, but it's just, <laughs> I could go on for days and days with stories and situations that just are so heartbreaking that it, it really, it really, you really want so desperately to have words of kindness and to be able to lift these children up and say, I love you. It's going to be okay. And even the middle school or the high school students say, you're going to get through this. You, I promise you, you'll get through this, you know, and, and have the support and the love to let them know that they're not alone, that this is not the way life is going to be, you know, and I've had too many that have had to move and leave and disrupt their whole life because parents were afraid they were going to lose their child. You know, it's just, shouldn't be that way for our children. They shouldn't have to go to school and worry about the violence and all the uh, horrible things they have to deal with. It's just it's terrible. It is. And then especially like looking at it from a, from a youth perspective, talking to all of these different adults about um, their children who they, who've, lost their own children due to bullying whenever i talk to them oh well not all of them for a lot of them though unfortunately actually they were like i had no clue Devin. i had no clue that my child was going through this none of the other students did anything none of the and they some have even said like um i, I was actually also close to my child's friends none of them None of them said anything. None of them said that uh, my child was going through bullying. It's so scary how you can have no clue. And then just like that, mm -hmm. they're gone in the blink of an eye. Because, mm -hmm. because someone, or multiple people even, have destroyed, destroyed their life, really. It's so impactful and terrifying I, i'm gonna keep using this word it's so terrifying because this is a epi this is a, a epidemic like i've some people have described um bullying as an epidemic um and you know it's affecting so many the american um, medical association devon this was almost 10 years ago the american medical association and the psycho psychological association have deemed bullying an epidemic in our nation. That is real. So yes, you are exactly right. Anybody can look it up. They have deemed it a bully epidemic in our nation and, and it is an epidemic. One that is ignored. Yeah. And then something else that I've actually heard some teachers, whether it was just on the news or some like I don't know, some movies, because, you know, I've seen a lot of different shows and movies and short clips about bullying. And you hear the teachers and they're like, oh, it's it's not a big deal. Oh, just go back to class. Um, they're, oh, the person is saying that they want to kill themselves. Well, they're not doing it now. So just send them back to class and act like it's not an emergency. That's why we need these suicide hotlines, because this is a real emergency. This is a 911 type of emergency. Someone's about them to take their own life because of bullying. That's 
a whole life, you know, someone's about to die. And then when it comes to these, like how we keep um, talking about with the, like such young ages, I've seen six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, I've even seen five and four having their own plans. I remember when I was, um, like back when I started my organization and uh, um, when I was 14, I saw um, this collage of a bunch of like very, these children and they literally, they took their own life because of bullying. It was a bunch of different boxes of children. Linda, when I tell you I saw, when I saw that, I another reason for me to say, I need to do something and I need to do something now. And that's why I started the Race to Speak Up organization. That's why I'm working with other organizations like Humanity Rising to further my um, message of anti-bullying, to do whatever I can. That's why I know you're working to do with uh, Generations Against Bullying, doing all of what you can in order to help as many as you can when it comes to their bullying situations, when it comes to anything really that can harm them and put them in such a, such a sad mental state that they would, that they feel that there's no way out other than taking their own life. You know, with this COVID and, you know, with, with the pandemic, it has really taken things to such an alarming heightened level that I think, I really think our, our society is, is so indulged and and the politics of everything that, well, thank God we're, we're, we are starting to pay attention a little bit more to our children, but I, I think we've gotten away from this whole issue of our epidemic of bullying. We somehow we're missing out and we're losing our children at an alarming rate and really bullying it is it is so real and there's and the funds i mean 20 the, the pandemic really hurt a lot of nonprofits and it really hurt us too because we we you know of course we lost uh, a tremendous amount of sponsors and you know places that were really struggling themselves nobody knew what the future was like so you know we, we we're we're surviving and we're going to survive i think with the determination of so many wonderful individuals who who have you know i have i have parents who have lost children who don't want to let this go and never will let it go and want to be part of helping to wake up other parents because you know sometimes the parents are the last to know of what's going on just what you said earlier it's like wow what what did i know how did i not see this i mean it's unfortunate and you know like one of the important things Devin is to, to to really recognize when you start to see different behaviors in your child whether they're not wanting to eat or they have a stomach ache reasons for not wanting to go to school or reasons for wanting to stay in their room you know there's a there's a lot of different telltale signs that you can watch physically and, and socially you know if they don't want to go out anymore or don't, don't want to meet with their friends there's a lot of little behavioral changes that you can recognize and say, you know, this is my child, something doesn't feel right. And it's so important to keep an open line of communication. And even if the parent doesn't feel they can, maybe they have a coach, maybe they have somebody else that they can go to and talk to um, where, they, where they can help them through it. One of the things that Devin, that we, we were, that we work to do, and we don't, 
you know, ever claim to be, um, you know, we have professional counselors. We refer many of the parents and students to when they're in these dire situations, but we would have peers meet with peers from all over. I mean, you know, dealing with Wisconsin, we would drive to six hours to Pearl City, a town of 850 and bring, you know, spoke to the 350 students. <laughs> it was half the town were kids. Um, but we would bring peer ambassadors to, to talk whether wherever we go, if it wasn't, we didn't wanna be in the office, maybe we'd go to the restaurant. And we would allow the students to talk, the trained peer ambassadors to talk with the student that was going through what they were going through. And I can't tell you how successful that has been for these students to have a peer to talk to, to just help them understand that they're not alone. Again, they're not alone. They're going to get th they're going to get through this, and to know that they have a number to call and say, "I tell you, it makes a world of difference." Because they're 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 peers, you know. That's why it's important to get whether it's the band members, the football players, the cheerleaders, the uh, the drama club, you know, to get some of the leaders that are involved in clubs to get them involved in helping out with the with the other students. That you know, they have different peer to peer things, but. There's, when you, when you really go around, when I really go around, there are, we have lacked so much in bully programs. Oh my gosh, not online. You can go online and you can Google and you won't know what program to use because there's thousands and thousands and thousands of, of, of stuff out there on bullying. But why is the problem so bad? Why is it becoming the leading cause of death bully side in our children from the ages of 10 to 16, you know? Why? When you got all this information. Well, obviously all this information out there is, it's not working, Devin. You know, we, we, we need troops on the ground to combat this problem. We need troops on the ground. We need, we need you know, things like your curriculum, like our upstander peer program in every single school, every single school across the nation. We have this upstander right there that we want. See, I'm gonna just share this with you, Devin. We don't just take the approach with just the school, okay? What's really important is you have to go to the community and get the whole community involved. You have to get not only the teach, of course, parents, students, teachers, administrators, but you have to get the police department fire department, the local businesses, the local churches, all the, I mean, everything that makes this community a whole, those are all the people you have to get involved. So everybody, your local businesses put up an upstander, you know, upstander school, upstander police department, upstander fire department, upstander, you know, that they, they will do something. You got a local business. Yeah. It says upstander, um, you know, whether it's, a you know, your small local businesses or whatever businesses that they're going to watch out and pay attention to, you know, they're out there. So it it's really takes a community to really tackle this problem. The school alone can't do it. I, they, they're so overwhelmed. And especially now with this pandemic, we can't just expect that put this all on our teachers and administrations that they can solve the problem. We need all of us involved in order to, in order to get the, in order to, we can't put a band-aid on it, put it that way. We need a cure. And it takes the whole community to get involved in order to cure this horrible epidemic that's destroying our, 
our future generation and it's destroying our future generation. Let's be truthful here and real and stop the nonsense and denying it and face the real reality of what's happening to our future generation. <laughs> what are your hopes for generations against bullying moving forward? You know, uh, my hopes are to be able to get enough funding to be able to get in schools and, and get this to go viral and, and, you know, have schools that want this, that know that we're not there to, we're not there to threatening them. We're not there to, we're not the bad guy. I'm going to give, share you a story, Devin. When I first started, I went into, with Children's Hospital, mind you know, Children's Hospital here in Wisconsin has a, a wonderful Act Now online cyber program. So I'm with Children's Hospital. I'm 5'8". She's six foot four. We're into this, we go into this uh, superintendent's office. We're really excited about sharing with them the program, the combination of, of because uh, children's hospitals really not community-based where we're community-based. We want to get the whole community based, but they're online and they'll help teach the teachers and staff. You know, as soon as we mentioned bullying, this man got up and he said, get out, get out. And he took his finger and he said, pointed at a door and he got up and he said, get out, get out get out of my building, get out of my office. And we're just walking. She's the director at Children's Hospital in the, for the Act Now program, which is phenomenal. We get out there, it's raining. We don't have the umbrella. I, I look up at her, she looks at me and she goes, are you okay? I said, I don't know what just happened. Until this day, I think, and that was over 10 years ago, I still, am in, I still am in shock as to the way they were treated, literally booted out as soon as we mentioned the bully program. <laughs> that is, that, that are, and from there on in, you know, until we've taken the approach with the upstander program, I tell you, you go in and you, you, you talk about a school, a bully program, most of them are not very receptive. Certainly not the private ones. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I've I've had a share of with my with the private schools. That they don't have any policies and nothing that really exists. And it exists there, just like what you've dealt with. So I guess my plan is to take the stigma off and say, you know, can't, let's come together in 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 harmony and let's think of what we can say to help teach our our, our children kind words every day and and. Uh, how to build self-esteem and, and uh, communication, how to embrace diversity, how to share. I mean, we, we used to do that. We used to, you know, one time I had a, 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 a middle from India, bring her food to, her mom would bring her food. She'd warm it up and the, the kids would make fun of her so bad that it stung that she stopped. She dumped her food, never opened it up. And her mom would wonder she'd be starving. Most kids come home starving anyways, but she was really hungry and actually losing weight because she didn't eat. She didn't eat her lunch at all. Um, but because she's told the food stank, she didn't 
go to a, talk to a teacher, didn't talk to nobody. So she suffered in silence. And this went on for months and months until the mother figured out, finally found out, the mother and father finally found out what happened. But, you know, these are things that we can embrace about diversity. You know, the things that we can accept about each other's, there's so much that we can teach from a young age on, from kindergarten on, it starts there. Why can't we have that as part of the, part of the daily dose? You know, the daily dose of kindness that, you know, you help understand different things and make these announcements. Yeah, I'd like to see every community, we were gonna do that in, um, before COVID started, we were gonna have our first, first huge community upstander uh, where the whole community was going to get involved. And I'd like to see that. That's my vision. Outside of Generations Against Bullying, you are a private investigator. How and what made you to decide to do this? <laughs> really, it was Generations Against Bullying because since we were getting involved with uh, schools and children, I really needed to do background checks. And it's costly if you do a really good background check and you wanna make sure that it's, you know, we are dealing with our children. It's very important to make, obviously it's critical to make sure you have people with no uh, unusual backgrounds that are dealing with children and make sure that they're gonna be safe and stay safe with people that are teaching them uh, and helping to guide them and lead them. So. That was one of the real issues. And of course, I'm always a, uh, you know, there are a lot of things that I saw that I thought my private detective license may help me in the future. And I've done a lot of things with it. And, and, uh, and yes, I've, I've saved probably a lot of money on doing many, many background checks, but that was probably the, the primary focus um, that led me to want to become a private detective. Uh, among, I, I really apologize, my, my thought process just kind of went away on me. <laughs> no, you're all good, you're all good. Because the thing is, something that I kind of notice with a lot of people who have their own organizations or foundations or whatever they're doing when it comes to bullying prevention is that that nonprofit that they have, that foundation that they have, it kind of trickles into something else that they want to do with their life as far as like job wise. Um, I could give you a bunch of examples, but with me, cause I want to start off with um, something really in relation to me. So um, when I go into college, I really want to study psychology. And I remember when I was younger and actually a lot of people would just kind of tell me, Devin, do you want to be a lawyer when you're older? And I would always say, well, first I would just say, yeah, because I thought it made sense. Then I started looking into it and I actually got interested and I did want to become a lawyer. And then that kind of now changed to like, I'm thinking more so psychology, like, or psychologist or just something with like actual like mental health worker, because I'm learning so much about these different um, youth and these different adults who've gone through bullying or have some story in relation to bullying. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, I really want to get more into their lives as far as like helping them as far as like their mental health or do whatever I can to really help them from a like official job title of a mental health worker. And so that's just kind of my thing um, <laughs> when it comes to that. With um, Behind the Screen, my Behind the Screen webinar, 
I, um, my co-host, Dr. Sandeep Brindawa, he's a psychiatrist and he focuses on child and adolescent, sci- uh, excuse me, child and adolescent bullying. So I'm like, I think things just kind of get connected towards like your job title and like any other bullying uh, prevention work that you're doing. So I just think it's kind of cool. Every time I talk to someone, I start putting pieces together. It's kind of interesting. Well, you know, I did want to become a lawyer. Um, <laughs> I took the test and, and uh, things changed and I, and I, I started a family. And uh, so I, I, I did settle for my master's degree in leadership and policy. policy. Um, but I did, uh, over the last couple of years, I was taking a lot of courses in the CCAR and it's uh, an ambassador life coaching dealing with crisis such as um, anyone suffering from a, a, a life crisis, opiate and so forth. But I, I have to be honest with you, I think emotionally, uh, you know, being part of this and putting so much into Generations Against Bullying, I don't think I could handle that anymore because I really put every, I really put so much of myself into Generations Against Bullying that I, I think I would be, I think I would exhaust every bit of me to try to go in and, and, and coach somebody through a crisis for six months because that's what I've been doing for 11 years now. And it, it is really tough because you do take it personally and you take it to heart and you just want to save everybody and you want to just take everybody in and, 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 and tell them it's going to be okay and you love them and it's, it, it, it takes a lot in, it takes a lot out inside because you have that it's tough you know people that are in, in, in these kind of professions it's it, I think it, it does tend to take a toll um, it really does but I, 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 I'm excited to go out and really start doing the teaching and maybe get a little bit away from some of the actual situations and leave that for some of the peers and the counselors to take over and get out there and get these programs in schools where they need to be. Um, because I, I think that my, um, you know, I got some health things that I got to take care of too. I think I told you, Devin, I have uh, discovered a brain tuber in October. And uh, next month I'm going to have this uh, rather large four inch brain tumor removed. And uh, I'm looking forward to recovering from that and really getting back out here strong now that the, now that there's a little more certainty that kids are going back. But then again, some of these schools are shutting down. Some of them are going back virtual. I mean, there's such a teeter-totter going on here. Um, I'm hoping that there's some kind of normalcy that we're going to go back to where these kids can have some normalcy because there's so much frustration Devin, and, and I, I really want to be part of getting back there to help our kids cope with now it's going to be the effects of all this COVID and the effects of the mandates and the effects of the parents fighting. I mean, our nation became so divided. We got to bring that to, we got to bring that back together. And we can do that together with all the things you're doing and all, all the things that some of the organizations, we can do this. We can make this happen. We can, you know, um, how do they say, you know, the team make, makes the dream work. 
Yeah, teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Well, I can blame it on the brain tumor. I think sometimes no, I'm just kidding. I think sometimes it's a little emotional. It is on the right side sometimes, where it's a. I I tend to, I really I really do. I really take this all to heart, Devin, and and that's why, um, you know, I've always put other people up there when we do news segments and stuff because it's like I don't want to get so emotional. I get too emotional if they ask me a question and, you know. Um, I really do. I, I I really take this to heart. It means so much to me to eliminate the suffering of what these beautiful, what our beautiful, beautiful children go through from all walks of life, from all walks of life, all areas. And, and what they go through is just, this is, this is not supposed to be this way when kids are just going to school to be, to learn. You're so right. You're very, you're very right, Linda. Can I ask you how you discovered the brain tumor? Well, I was getting headaches. And uh, actually, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I, I will say God, I, I, God's helped me cheat, cheat death a few times, but this probably is one of the worst. Uh, I was having headaches and I I went to church and I, I went to see my aunt in hospice and I said, you know, I think I better get to the ER. And it wasn't more than 20 minutes. My legs were on fire. I was knocked out with some medicine. And then I was told that I had a cancerous tumor and that I had spinal meningitis. And then I remember that saying something about me transferring to another hospital. And then I was in ICU for three days. And once things I came around, uh, that's when I found out that I had a brain tumor that, you know, and, and it's been a huge process since and I got a lot of things to get through so that they, that it would be okay to open up my brain and remove the tumor. But that was, yeah, I, I, they said that they could not believe based on, cause it's really pushing in my brain almost like over an inch um, where it's actually pushing it you can see it on the picture. <laughs> it's like, wow. Um, but it will bounce back and I will come back. <laughs> I will be back. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I, I have a, I have a great attitude always have. I feel that's been a, been a gift of mine is, uh, one of the things I live by is an obstacle is never an end, but a new beginning. So it's just another obstacle. that's going to become a new beginning for me. I love, I love how you're choosing to, because we always need to focus on the positive. I love how you're able to really focus on the positive with something like that. And as far as just, you know, the surgery and everything that you're going through, you'll always be in my prayers. I'll keep you in my prayers and good luck with this surgery. Surgery is a big thing. So I'll always keep you in my prayers. Thank you. You know, Devin, if we have more of you in this world, it would surely make the world a better place. We really need to, we need to clone thousands of you, Devin, and get you out there all over. And I'm telling you, it will be contagious and change many, many attitudes. <laughs> That's what we need. That's what we need to do. So I truly appreciate everything you do. I, I truly do. And I'm so proud because Youth like yourself are so important for our children 
and for our future generation. So believe me, you are making such an impact and a difference in this world. And thank you. Thank you, Devin. Thank you so much, Linda. Thank you. My well, I hope I can join you again. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, we'll figure it, it all out. But um, my last question for you is how can people find you? Tell us your social media platforms and your website. Oh my gosh, yes, they can find us. Our website is gabnow.org, uh, G-A-B-N-O-W.org. And we are on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we are on Pinterest, we are on YouTube. And we are, Leah, our wonderful Leah that you've talked with is putting together some of the other social medias that we're working on because we know that, um, we know that uh, there's other, plenty of platforms that the kids like to use. So she's going to be working on that and getting a group of students to, to, to be part of that. But mainly, you know, our, our Facebook page and and parents, we have great resources on our website. And uh, yeah, they can reach us on any of those websites. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Linda. You're one busy person who's working hard to touch as many hearts as you can through Generations Against Bullying. And again, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your journey with us. Thank you, Devin. And you have a wonderful day and have a wonderful week this, this week. And I will be back after after I recover from the surgery. So be ready for us to get some positive messages out there and a lot of encouragement and a lot of love. Yep. And thank you to everyone who's listening. I hope to see you guys at future Race to Speak Up podcasts. If you have any questions about the Race to Speak Up podcast, feel free to contact me at racetospeakup at gmail.com. Make sure to follow at Race to Speak Up on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for updates on future podcasts. Make sure to join the Humanity Rising movement. Humanity Rising is a student-led movement to create a better world through service. Humanity Rising offers scholarships for students making a difference in the world. So visit www.humanityrising.org for more information. And remember to ask yourself this question. How do you race to speak up?